Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Astrology Hub podcast. I am thrilled to be here with all of you today, and we're going to be talking to Janelle Belgrave about the story of your life and your astrology chart. So a little bit of storytelling here and how that weaves through your life and how that's shown in your astrology chart. And I'm so happy to be here with you today, Janelle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. And this is your Astrology Hub debut. Yes. So, and, 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 and I just, I failed to mention that you are not only an astrologer, but you're also an acupuncturist, mm-hmm. an herbalist, yes. and a clairvoyant intuitive. Yes. So all these things. So I, I can tell we have an interesting story about you. Yes. And so let's start with that. Can you tell us about your the path that led you to practice astrology and also all the other modalities that you bring into your astrology? Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell people that I think astrology found me. I don't really remember the first time I came across astrology. I remember that um, it was always present because I was a big library nerd when I was a kid. So Um, When we start talking about my chart, I think that will become evident as to why a lot of my learning came through there. And I was given a lot of freedom to do so. And the occult section of the library always called my name. And even though the occult at that time was considered negative and spooky, like the books to me weren't that. There were astrology books and tarot and all that kind of stuff. And so I would say, you know, pretty early childhood is when I found astrology. And then definitely around my first Jupiter return. And um, I'm a Sagittarius, what is Sag rising? So Jupiter is very present for me. Anytime he comes around, big things happen. And so my first Jupiter return. For people that don't know when a Jupiter (laughs) return happens, what age was that? 12, about 11, 12 or so. Um, 12, 12, 13, somewhere in there, like 97, 98, somewhere in there, I got my first computer. And it was my first computer with the internet and dial-up. So you can imagine, you know, the dial-up, me connecting to AOL And the internet was very different then. It was kind of the wild, wild west. And so I think I found a site that allowed me to kind of put in general birth information. It didn't ask for location or birth time. It just asked for like your full birth date. And I did it for me and my family. And it generated like these reports. And I remember reading, I printed them out because they were so accurate. Because I was like, how do they know this is who my family is and who we are? And I was just blown away. And I remember I went to my mom who was at home with me at that time. And she's where she was at the dining room table. My mom's an Aquarius. So I went to her, mom, 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 look, 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 look what I found. This is amazing. This is all about you and us. And, da, 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 da. and she was like, yeah, oh, don't look at that, whatever. And I was like, well, she didn't say no. <laughs> and so from there, I was just like, I found something that, you know, hooked me. And so I remember the first time I ever saw my chart on astro.com, you know, to imagine astro.com has been around for that long. I was 12 years old. Um, and I was so disappointed because I had seen all these crazy charts with all these, you know, designs and patterns. Like, I can't wait to see mine. And all mine was like squished to one side. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> And so then I had to like figure out how to read my chart and I remember reading. And so that was kind of my first steps into astrology because I thought like this was the answer to figure out who myself, who I was and who my family was and where I fit. And so from then on, it was just every single day, every year, it was constantly new books, new information. So that was was astrology was first. And then Mm -hmm. tell us how acupuncture and clairvoyant intuitive came into Mm -hmm. the picture. 
So I had gone into college and I thought- An herbalist. I'm an sorry, herbalist. herbalist. Yes. Yes. So herbalism and acupuncture go together because I learned them together at school. Um, mm-hmm. So it's Chinese herbalism. But um, I'd probably say I came across acupuncture because I had finished undergrad and I thought I was going to go into child and family therapy or sex therapy, marriage therapy. And I got to my last year and I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm tired of talking to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think they listen to me. They're not going to take my information and apply it. I wanted something more practical. I wanted a healing modality that felt more hands-on, like I could actually see the change that was happening. Mm. So um, I got out of school and actually, it was actually a tower reading at my uh, then boyfriend's graduation, I think, or our friend's graduation at their school. And there was this little, little tower lady who was doing like, it was a, it was almost like a fair, like a graduation fair with, you know, balloons and, you know, food and this little tower lady. And I was like, you know, I was thinking maybe Reiki or something. And she's like, why don't you try acupuncture? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I had seen acupuncture at one point before then in the class that I had taken about alternative medicine. I was curious, but it wasn't enough for me to go researching it. But her suggestion was enough for me to be like, all right, I'll go look. And so I did. And it fit because I thought that acupuncture had the same philosophy as astrology, which is as above, so below. Because it's an earth-based medicine, you know, man is the most at man is at his most healthiest when he is in harmony with the heavens and earth. Mm. So we are in between the heavens and earth. We are part of that family, and so health is brought around, harmony is brought around when we are in harmony with our universe. So I was wow. like, of course, that fits. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, so you totally resonated with the philosophy because of astrology and what you already knew. Mm-hmm. And then tell us about the, the clairvoyant intuitive work. Mm-hmm. Is that just something that's naturally arisen or did you mm-hmm. pursue that in any way? I was probably, I have a Pisces moon and I also am sun Neptune as well. So I've always been very psychic to an extent, but it was untrained. It was just a lot of sensitivity, just a lot of empathy, a lot of sensitivity, um, being overwhelmed a lot. So it was actually in school that I met someone, a fellow student who was teaching how to, you know, hone your clairvoyance, hone your psychic intuition, you know, learning how to, you know, make it more practical, essentially. And so I did that course for about maybe a year or so or two, just learning the tools, different techniques, different meditation tools, visualization tools to help me get more, you know, contained. Because at that point, I was picking up everything and anything from everybody. And it wasn't until I learned how to do that, that I learned some boundaries and, you know, Mm. me versus everybody else in the world. You know, I think a lot of people in our audience can really relate with that. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing that, that you have learned through your years that's helped you create that that differentiation between, okay, this is theirs, this is mine, mm-hmm. this is how I can create that boundary, what would you say? Uh, there, def- there, there are definitely different techniques, but I would say the one is like, you know, creating separation tools, um, just visualizing kind of like a shield between you and others and not so much to shield you from them, but like keeping my energy and my space in yours and in yours. And also for those who work with people all day, refilling with your own energy after the end of each day. Because a lot of times, especially for healers who are interacting one-on-one, people to people, you know, we take on people's stuff subtly. You know, and when I was younger, there'd be a lot of times, especially in New York City, riding the bus, riding the train, and you sit down next to someone, you're feeling fine. And then five minutes later, you're like, why do I feel sad all of a sudden? Or why do I feel this? And you're just like, is that me? Or you're like, is that you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> now you can imagine how that feels in New York City when you're in a train full of 50 or 60 people at a time. And you're just yeah. like, you know, that's the yeah. kind of feeling. So it's very important to have those kind of tools, I'd say. 
Janelle, are you still in New York City? I am in New York City. Yep, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I, I lived in New York City for seven years. Right before I moved to Hawaii, I was in New mm-hmm. York City mm-hmm. and just yeah. love it. There's so many times where I miss it. Yeah, you know, we're, we're going through some stuff. The chart of New York City is very, uh, is going through some stuff. <laughs> so, you know, we're hoping that we come out okay in the long term. But yeah, it's my yeah. hometown. Yeah, yeah. Okay, another question before we move on to storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you blend all those mo- modalities into your practice? Is it like you have your astrology practice and you have your acupuncture, acupuncture practice and they're different? Mm-hmm. Or do you use all of those modalities on an individual depending on what they need? At this point, they are somewhat different. Um, I, I do community acupuncture in, in Manhattan. Um, at a place called Olo Acupuncture. So it's like, you know, sliding scale and very community oriented. So I have Jupiter and Aquarius, so that fits pretty much for me. Um, And then I have my astrology practice, which, you know, is me one-on-one with people. So um, I would love to blend them. It's my dream to really study medical astrology. And I have a couple of books that I, you know, I delve into, but I feel like it's still a modality I would need a teacher. Mm-hmm. personally for me I would love that more than learning on my own but I would love to be able to combine medical astrology with acupuncture and really be able to use someone's chart to like figure out okay how do we really tackle this illness how long term is it you know what can we do and sometimes in, in clinic I will look briefly at someone's chart just to see oh you know they're going through a Mars transit or Saturn whatever and that will give me more guidance as to how to treat them mm, okay mm-hmm. You, you may want to check out Cameron Allen's Health Secrets of the Zodiac, the okay. course that we just did a few mm-hmm. months ago. Okay, great, great. He, he's more in the um, herbalism mm-hmm. and how he combines that with his astrology practice, but I bet you'll pick up some really cool things from that class. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about storytelling okay. and our astrological chart, mm-hmm. how the story of our lives is reflected in the chart and how putting all those pieces together helps us live the life that we came here to live? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big lover of storytelling. Like I said, I'm a Sag and a Pisces and Aquarius. So to me, those signs are very much interested in the story of the world, right? And I think the story of our world is the story of us. And I think astrology is just the big recorder of all those things, right? Like we can look in the sky and go, oh, that was happening at that point. And this is what was happening to me in the world itself. And so that to me is why I really love about astrology, especially from a historical standpoint, because you can literally see so many different stories happening at once. You know, everyone's responding differently. Um, and so when I was looking, when you guys invited me, I was like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to talk about my natal chart and look at it from that kind of perspective. Like, how did I get here? What was the story? What were the, who were the players in my life that kind of shaped me to get me here? Because I think my family, as much as they love me, they're like, you're a strange one, but I've always been a strange one, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think that's important for people to really, I think your natal chart is probably your best tool of understanding yourself. And once you get comfortable with who you are and why you came into this life, it really frees you up to be authentic. Mm. And I Absolutely. Yes. Well, I, I, I don't know how else we would experience joy in this lifetime or, or fulfillment or purpose if we aren't giving ourselves permission to be who we are mm-hmm. and, and live authentically. So yeah, that with every insight, it's like, oh, that's, that's confirmation of who I am. And then when we have that awareness, then we can choose to bring that, that part of ourselves forward. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I think 
that's why people are looking for astrology now. It's because they're tired of, especially now that we've had COVID and the pandemic, we've been forced inside to reflect. Like people are like, well, who am I? What do I want if I'm not defined by this job or this marriage or whatever it is? And now that I'm, I might be leaving now, what do I do next? And I think looking at your chart, so many times I have clients that they're just looking for confirmation. Like, yeah, that crazy idea that you have or that dream, like as Anne always says, you know, if it's in your heart, it's in your chart. Like there it is, go do it. <laughs> you know, and the timing is now, that's why you're here. And that's why you're seeking to me because I'm here to kind of give you confirmation. And sometimes those things feel like whispers. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're sort of like these behind the scenes whispers. And so when an astrologer looks at your chart and goes, okay, this is what I see. It's like, oh, it can bring that whisper into the forefront mm -hmm. and it gets reflected through the astrologer. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, I, I had that inkling, but you just really verbalized it for me. So now I can go do that more confidently, like you said. Yeah, and that's also your intuition, right? You heard the whisper, but I think so often we're, we're kind of told not to trust the whispers, right? It must mean you're crazy if you're hearing voices, right? <laughs> that's yeah. always like, oh, you shouldn't be hearing things that I can't hear. It's like, why not? What if I'm hearing some good stuff and you might just be jealous, you know? So maybe we should be a little bit more playful about our intuition. And I always tell people, like, don't tell children that it's just their imagination. You don't know what they're seeing. You don't know oh who my. they're talking to. Huge. I mean, that, that's absolutely huge. I have two small girls and I, I, am, I am a huge supporter of their intuitive knowing, their mm -hmm. imaginative play, all of that. It's so rich and alive. And I, I think part of the problem with us as adults is we don't have access to that anymore. And so even right now, as we're imagining in a, um, another way of living our lives here on the planet, be, having that active imagination is huge. Mm -hmm. Well, everything begins as a thought, right? Everything that we want, everything that we've ever desired has always been an image in our mind, in our mind's eye. That's your intuition. That's your playground. But we're not taught to use that as children. We're taught to kind of put that away and be realistic. And it's just like, well, that's real. I saw it in my head and now it's in my hand. Mm. Right? Absolutely. Everything we see now was in the imagination at one point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, Janelle, let's, let's talk about your chart and the story of your chart and then how knowing that has enabled you to live more and more authentically as you've gone through your years. Okay. Well, like I said, I am a Sag. So if I get a little bit off track, please rein me in. Oh, I will. My, my, Cap <laughs> my, my Capricorn will be like, let's, let's go in these little oh, back this way. Here. Where are yeah. you going? <laughs> I got All you. Right. <laughs> let's see. Okay, so this is my chart. And Janelle, um, let me just make a, a little comment here for our podcast listeners. If you are listening on audio and if you want the visual of Janelle's chart, you can head on over to our website, astrologyhub.com slash podcast, and you can see the video of this um, talk and or our YouTube channel, uh, Astrology Hub, will also have the video. So Go ahead, Janelle. Uh, so I just have to preface that I, I do use whole signs, although I did not always use whole signs. I was originally a placidus person, but after many months of doing horoscopes, it just became easier to do whole signs. So, but I, I am a believer of whichever chart you pick, you will find the story of your life, right? And I find that both work. And, and Janelle, have you, uh, this is a sidebar question, have you found that what you saw when you were using placidus in your mm -hmm. chart was perfect for you then. And mm -hmm. then when you moved to whole sign, you got new insights that were perfect for you at that time. Exactly. 
Absolutely. In Placidus, I am a 12th house person. So 12th house sun, Venus, Uranus, and then Mercury and Saturn would be in the 11th. And then Pluto, South Node, and Mars would be in the 10th. Um, no, yes, in the 10th as well. Wow, that must have been a huge shock mm-hmm. to move it to the first house. I know. I was like, I am not a, tw- I have been in the 12th house my entire life, but now I'm a first house person, right? And so, so do you feel like you're embodying more of those first house qualities because of the awareness of, of this chart? Probably. And I would say that would probably happen after my Saturn return a little bit afterwards, I'd say, because that's when I started to really write more and, you know, do that kind of stuff. So I think I became more of a Sagittarius. I became more of that. That was my visual person, I guess. I was a teacher. I was a writer. I was doing all these things. So I became a first houser in a way. Mm, That's Mm -hmm. so cool. Uh, So where would you like to start with my story? I I feel like there's so many places I can jump in. I guess the first house? Sure. I mean, that first house (laughs) is stacked. Let's start there. (laughs) So I was born just at dawn. Um, I am a 26 degree Sagittarius sun and a 27 degree uh, Sagittarius rising. So I was born right at the crack of dawn. And, you know, for me, my, my personal story was such a big part of my growing up. And I think that's reflected in the first house. So basically, I was born premature. And even before that happened, my, my mom told me that the way that she found out that she was pregnant with me was that she fainted on the train mm. <laughs> over the summer. And so she fainted. They took her to the hospital. And the doctor was like, so, you know, how do you feel about having a baby? She was like, no. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> so she was pregnant. <laughs> and so then, you know, pregnant with me. And then, you know, Christmas time in my family is a very, you know, peaceful time of year, very, you know, festive and, and loving. And, you know, I wasn't due until March of the following year. Wow. Then, yeah. My mom went to my brother, my, my next brother, who is uh, 12 years older than me. She's going to have to go to the hospital. And he's like, no, mom, it's Christmas. And she's like, no, I got to go. So she goes in a week before Christmas. And apparently the doctors are having a Christmas party and they were celebrating. And my mom was like, the baby is coming. And they're like, yeah, Merry Christmas. And apparently she just pushed me out by herself. Whoa. And I just kind of slid into the world. So, <laughs> so you, you know are, that. I mean, how many, like officially, how many weeks early were you? Uh, oh, how many weeks early? I think I was a full three months early, actually. Wow. I was supposed wow. to be born. My due date was March 24th of the oh following my gosh. year. So wow. I came December 18th. So I slid out by my lonesome. And, you know, I think that's very representative of this full Sagittarius house. I, I pretty much galloped into life <laughs> three months ahead of time. Didn't wait for the doctors and just kind of like, okay, mom, I'm here. And then proceeded to wait in the incubator for seven weeks because my lungs weren't developed yet wow so you can kind of see that story right mom found out about me on the train stopped the train for her to find out about me you know so you're 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 circling things but but explain why you're saying that so okay so mercury for the train for travel and then saturn you know kind of being the heavy news of baby responsibility right and it happened on the train so they literally stopped the train to give my mom this news right the surprise of it (laughs) would have been Uranus right next door and then me being my mom's only daughter would be Venus right next door as well and Mm. then me jumping into life with the sun and rising together I just kind of leapt in there but of course you know so I was under I was underdeveloped um so again my lungs weren't fully there so I think Saturn and Mercury would would be that because I believe Mercury rules over the lungs if I'm not mistaken um and so Saturn was like you can't leave this hospital yet until you grow (laughs) so there I I stayed for seven Saturn weeks until I was able to leave oh that's so awesome okay cool Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's basically my first house, but that story was repeated to me so often. So yeah, you were three pounds, three ounces. You could fit inside of our arm. You were no bigger than a football. So this was just kind of repeated to me over and over again. And I feel like that's a very first house thing, you know, having the story of you repeated back to you by the people who are in your life. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. I wanted to hear it all the time. I was like, tell me again what happened and who, who was it? And like, you know, they're like, oh, we didn't have a, we didn't, because my mom, they weren't expecting me for three months. So they, so they didn't have a baby shower yet. So there was no crib for me when I got home. So they basically took a dresser drawer and lined it with pills and blankets to put me in there until they had a baby shower for me. So there's pictures of me at my baby shower, oh. <laughs> like being passed around by my aunts and uncles or whoever, because I was such a surprise. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I kind of think that's, that's backed up by the fact that all of these Sagittarius planets are ruled by this Jupiter in Aquarius down here in the third house. And so, you know, there's very uh, surprising parts of my life, things that happen out the blue. So what else, what else, what else is, is pointing to that Jupiter in your life? Um, well, <laughs> that Jupiter is super strong. He rules over all of those Sag planets and also my Pisces moon. And this Jupiter, you know, these are my siblings. I am the youngest of six kids. I have uh, five older brothers and sisters. Um, They're all fairly established, I would say. Um, And they kind of were my caretakers for some, some of the journey of my life, I would say. Between me and my next, and my eldest sibling, there's 20 years. So it's almost a full, you know, 21 Saturn, almost, but not quite. Um, And he's also a Sagittarius Pisces moon. So we were very, very close when I was little. Um, But, you know, having older siblings, you know, Jupiter is in the sign of Saturn and Aquarius, and they were kind of my benefactors. They were my additional parents. When my parents were off doing their Aquarian stuff, I had my older siblings kind of taking care of me. Hmm. And also I was thinking about, I have Jupiter in the third house. So like I said earlier, my love for the library and also thinking about my neighborhood. I always live next door to schools. Even now, I live next door to three schools. I live next door to a high school. I live next door to a middle school. And down the street is a college. And that's wow. always been the case. So I my first apartment, a school. My second house, two schools. And my, you know, everywhere I go, I live next to a school. So I always feel like that's part of the Jupiter experience for me and my neighborhoods. And then also for me, Jupiter in the third house, my neighborhood had everything that I could possibly need when I was a kid. I grew up in a housing uh, complex, um, or the projects, as we call them in New York City, but it was a really nice project, Jupiter in the third, right? I had lots of grass. We had cherry blossoms we used to climb. We had a baseball field. We had several sprinklers. We could play manhunt. Like, it was like a kid's paradise, um, and there were so many children around. Um, we had people looking out for us. So it really felt very much like a community Aquarian experience where you had all of these adults and teenagers looking out for us as children. And all the amenities that we had, you know, the bank, you know, Chinese food, you know, all these things that you would need in a neighborhood were right there for me in walking distance. Janelle, Um, do you mm -hmm. see us, I I mean, this is a little bit of a sidebar question, Mm -hmm. but do you see us moving more towards those kinds of communities as we move forward? You know, I kind of think so. And I'm very curious how that's going to show up as we move into Jupiter and Aquarius and Saturn Aquarius after we've experienced this really debilitating pandemic and seen so many family structures, you know, pretty much broken apart by death. You know, now that we might see that the neighborhood, the community is going to be necessary to raise the children and families who are left behind. Right. Well, it's, it's not only that, but even the um, breakdown of the school system and the impact that that's having on families, mm-hmm. because now you have kids at home uh, on computers all day, 
parents either in the house trying to work and or leaving children at home. I mean, there's a lot of things impacting the family structure, the community structure, right? That mm-hmm. might call for more of a community support network. Sure. For sure. And to me, that was a big part, I think, of my childhood because both my parents are immigrants. They're both from from Panama, which is in Central America. And they kind of came up to this country as a collective, you know, um, a, a lot of immigrant stories, you know, someone shows up first and they bring someone else and, the, you know, it kind of becomes a chain reaction. So for them, that was very much part of their experience in this country, you know, coming here and setting up shop and having family and friends being a part of the community to get them, you know, set up. And I remember being young and being kind of jealous of those stories I would hear about them when they were young and, and you know, starting fresh in this country and, and you know, having family support them because I felt like even when I was little, that was already lacking a lot. Mm. You know, and this is like in the late nine, late eighties, early nineties. Even for me as a child, it's like well, we don't really have that anymore. You no know, right. one's really knocking on your door to make sure you're okay. You know, right. I had a lot of stories from my mom about when she was younger, growing up in in Panama. You know, she would say, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. In a lot of cases, we probably be considered poor. But what she would say was like, no one would go to bed hungry. Mm. You know, the neighbors would make sure that everyone had something to eat, whether it was like you know hot cereal or toast and butter all the kids, all the adults were going to bed with food in their stomach. Wow. There's a serious richness in that. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I feel like so much of what's happening this year is allowing us to redefine our values. Mm-hmm. And when I, I, I feel the same way when I hear you tell those stories, it's like, God, we all could really benefit from that kind of care and, and love and connection within our local communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's go to your your fourth house. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say my fourth house is my mother's domain. My moon is down there in Pisces. Um, <laughs> you know, she really, I would say she really made childhood a lot of fun for me. I would say. Um, I'm her only daughter. So I feel like she was just like, couldn't wait to like have a little doll to dress up because my mom is a trained seamstress. So, you know, she had every, ugh, the dresses, the, the amount of times I've been sticked with pins, which is funny because now I'm an acupuncturist. Um, <laughs> um, and the funny story is my dad didn't want me to learn how to sew because he thought I would, you know, prick my fingers. And I learned that, you know, years and years later when I asked her, why didn't you teach me how to sew, mom? What happened? She's like, oh, your dad thought that you would hurt yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> here I am stabbing people for a living, right? So um, there's always really funny things, but mom really did a really good job of making childhood fun because that Pisces moon in the fourth house was full of her childhood stories of her, you know, growing up. And to me, it was just really magical. And I would say I'd probably credit her a lot with my occult interest because this moon in Pisces in my fourth house does rule over my eighth house. So I think a lot of the occult, the, you know, the experience with life and birth and transformation and, you know, all those rich stories that came from her, I think were kind of, in a way, occult stories, even though I don't think she knows that she's probably a witch. I don't think she knows it, but she is. <laughs> and, and how is her perspective now on astrology? I mean, I know when you first, when you came to her with all the reports, she was like, ah, whatever. Didn't say mm-hmm. no, but did, wasn't super into it. Now, mm-hmm. how does she feel about your astrology? She's still kind of eh about it. She doesn't know <laughs> much. You know, she, she's like, oh, you're, you're okay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm great, mom. She's like, okay, great. Like, that's pretty much the extent <laughs> of it. She's not really looking to understand. My mom is a Mercury and Pisces retro. So sometimes she just checks out and I'm like all right fine I'm not gonna fight you on this 
<laughs> so it's fine. Um, but I do believe that she was the reason why I got into herbalism and um, because she would tell me stories about, you know, Panama's a, a, a tropical country. So things are in season year round. So knowing what teas to drink or fever grass tea or this tea for that or that bush for this or, you know, I would climb this tree and eat that fruit and that would make that feel better or whatever or your grandmother would do this to me and I, you know, so those things I would sit on her knee and be like, and tell me more, mom, and what else did we, you know, like, because in my little Pisces moon head, I'm like, this is magic, right? (laughs) Um, If you know what herbs to eat and to heal yourself, that's magic. (laughs) Um, So, and also Pisces moon, lots of old movies, Fred Astaire and Sound of Music and musicals and just lots of, you know, Disney whatever fantasy you can give me, my moon was eating it up. And also lots of books, Mm. lots of books, lots of books in my house, lots and lots of books (laughs) to this day. There's tons of books. I still have books in my mom's basement right now that I've, you know, had. And, and, and that's your Jupiter too, right? Mm -hmm. Both. Okay. All right. So then how about the, the fifth house? The fifth house, I think again, mom's domain. Um, I believe she's a moon and Venus and Aries. So, you know, train seamstress house is very busy, always things happening. So on her off days, there really aren't any off days for my mom. Her off days are, are, are work days at home. So, you know, grocery shopping, laundry, cleaning the house, um, sewing something, sewing the curtains, reupholstering the chairs, music is playing, music is playing in every single room in different channels. Um, the TV's on like, so it's always just movement action. Um, when I think about my brothers, my, my brothers are Mars and Aries. And so he would roller skate and he would put his roller skates on and be out the door. And, you know, my other brother, you know, so all those, the house was very busy. Um, a lot of playtime, um, a lot of games and, you know, make believe my brothers used to make, um, fighter jets, little, you know, the, the ones that you build by hand, that kind of stuff. So it's very martial and, you know, energizing and, you know, don't just sit there, you get up and do something. You're bored. You're not bored. Go outside. You know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> so it was wow. a very active household, I would say. It sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. The, the gem, my Gemini moon's like, Ooh, that sounds amazing. Right. <laughs> For my Pisces, sometimes it's good, but my Pisces moon sometimes be like, mom, especially when right. she's playing three radios at once and they're all on different stations. When I go visit her now, I'm always turning them down. You hear, don't turn that off. Like you're not even in the room. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. It's overwhelming oh, to me. Mm-hmm. And do you work with the nodes? I do. I do work with the nodes. I do. I do. So I have the North node in Taurus in the sixth house. So, you know, I benefit from hard work. I benefit from working in healing. I work with the earth through herbs and, you know, I work with the physical body. I work with pleasure. I, you know, that's what I do. I I get the benefit from that. The South node, um, I used to say, I'm pretty sure I used to be a ninja assassin because I used to have a lot of dreams about that when I was little, like just just like killing people (laughs) when I was angry so I have Mars and Pluto and the stuff in the 12th house a lot of hidden anger or anger that was you know really kind of packaged away um so even now as an adult I'm very wary of my temper it's not something I like to engage in a lot because you know when it does go off I'm very frightened for people around me (laughs) Mm. and and how has that journey been like do, do you see the the south node to north node as like a linear journey do you see it as a you, you integrate the, the lessons or the gifts from the South Node into your North Node. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you, you interpret that story. I think it's a balancing act. I think, you know, I, I move between them. I use my Mars, South Node, and Pluto to heal people, right? It can be very literal. Mars, I stab people with needles, which is Mars. 
<laughs> and then Pluto helps transform the energy and, you know, makes it into something that is healed. Mm. is one thing um, mars is also the ruler of my fifth house so a lot of my creative pursuits happens behind the scenes right when we were mm -hmm. talking about coming online i was like it's like being like backstage my mars likes that right it likes backstage i miss being backstage for shows and dramas because that's what this likes to do mm. um so i think it's a blessing depending on how you use it although i do know that this mars can be very destructive too so when i get into fights with my brother <laughs> because it's mars um you remember i remember one time i got into a really bad fight with him and in my head i was like if i could just blow this car with both of us in it i would and i was like wow that's a wow. mars political <laughs> i was like we'll both die i don't care <laughs> oh my gosh it is so interesting i mean it's interesting how you've actually like physically literally pulled it into your work mm -hmm. into your daily work now i mean that's like a very literal translation of your south node to north node yeah i mean yeah. that that mars south node likes to go digging for things too mm. right so mm -hmm. that's why i was thinking about therapy and healing but i was like i want to be more direct so i started to poke people right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome so tell us about your chiron story and and how you do the seventh house mm -hmm. well you know for a long time in placidus this chiron was down the sixth house for me so, you know, I just thought, well, I work as a healer, I work with my hands, and I still do. But in the seventh house, it really becomes about my relationships and learning about how my behavior influences other people. Um, and when I was reading about it in Barbara Hanclaw's Chiron book, they were talking about how Chiron and Gemini, they're really tapped into the consciousness and we have a lot of responsibility with the words that we say because mm. we can influence people very heavily. And so mm. in the seventh house, you know, and this Chiron for me pretty much opposes all of these, you know, Sag planets outside of the sun. They're kind of pulled in in a way. So, you know, a lot of my relationships have really been reflective of myself and learning about how I'm influencing people and how am I supposed to turn this wound about not being able to relate well or not being in harmony with others to, to help others in some way. So a lot of times in counseling with my, my, my clients in astrology, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about how our personal behavior influences others. We're talking about how other people influence us and things of that nature. So... And would you say that your any any sort of like woundedness in your relationships in the past mm -hmm. has helped you to be a better facilitator of healing for people in that arena of their lives? Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, Mars on the South Node um, has been somewhat of a tragedy at times. Well, for one, one funny story is that, you know, Mars can also represent dogs. So when I was born, we had a family dog that had to go for me to come home. So that's one ding. Mm. Um, and then Mars on the South Node, I've had a boyfriend pass away. Mm. while we were dating so wow. you know really transformative stuff can happen with you know Chiron doing all this work in my chart um but the tragedy the grief the violence whatever I've experienced I say to people hey like these things have happened to me too you know I'm okay it hurts it's a tough thing to get through but you know that's why we're here you know this is life and I think astrology helps us to recognize that life is for living it's not about it being perfect and I think right now we're in this phase of, you know, my chart's cursed or this is done. Like, yeah, but you chose it and you have it. So use it. Don't are you shun hearing it. that a lot? I mean, do you feel like clients are coming to you a lot with that sort of sentiment? Like, I see a lot online. Yeah, I see a lot online. It's, it, it's calming down a bit, but there was a phase a couple of years ago where people were very hard on their charts. You know, oh, I'm a this, I'm a that. And that means I'm a terrible person. It's just like, says who? Right. <laughs> 
you know and then when you tell them that some of the most notorious people had blessed charts you're like well i think um wade caves did a, a thing about debilitated and exalted planets and he said that i think jeffrey dahmer had several planets that were exalted mm. right mercury saturn i think jupiter i can't remember he was like and what did he do with his chart he had right. excellent planets and excellent placements didn't mean he was a great person right well right. we have so much choice in how we're expressing these energies and exactly I think sometimes we forget about that. But what I love about what you're doing with storytelling is so much, so much of what I'm seeing is that some of the stories we tell about the archetypes or about the signs or about the planets or about the energies are the ones that are reinforcing some negative experiences that we're having in our lives. And so by hearing, just like you just did with Jeffrey Dahmer, by hearing that like, oh, whoa, so it doesn't necessarily mean if I had a different chart, I would have a better life. Or if my, you know, those stories that we're telling that are just keeping us in a limited mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, and there's other ways to see it. Yeah. And also thinking about how your, your negative experiences have actually matured you. And I know it's a, you know, I guess it is a cliche to think, well, it's making you stronger, but yeah, it's making you stronger, right? We don't gain muscle. I mean, isn't muscle. that what Saturn's telling us? Like it's, it's, it's cliche-ish, I guess, but mm-hmm. also yeah. true, if we yeah. want it to be true. Some of us choose to have intense lives. Some of us want to have that, you know, but if you want to have the, that kind of life, you need to be, you know, I guess I kind of signed up for that. You don't sign up for this kind of chart and not think there's going to be intensity, right? So, you know, if that's your chart, that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> Some of us have intense lives. That's totally fine. Janelle, what else would you like to point out about the story of your life and your chart here? It's, it's fascinating to me, and I'm sure that people are getting insights if they have similar placements or if they have you know, the same things going on, not same exact, but it's always interesting to hear how different astrologers interpret the different energies. Um, hmm. Let's see. You know, I, I don't know much about Neptune in the second house, which is funny because (laughs) (laughs) it made more sense in the first house for me. So I'm still kind of dealing with it, but technically it is conjunct my sun and my rising. Um, It is, but it is in the second house now, but you know, my, my ideas about money are still very nebulous, I guess you could say. (laughs) Um, These transits have been helping me get more clear, but you know, my value system, not that it is weak or anything like that, but I feel like it's flexible, right? It's about what's necessary, what's needed. It's practical. It is Neptune and Capricorn. So I'm like, well, what do we need to survive? What do we need? How can we reimagine our value structure? I mm. think is my thing. So, you know, for other family members who don't have Neptune in the second, like, how can you think that? I was like, well, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> it seems like yeah. it'd be feasible. It feels like, you know, it's a dream that we can have or I can have for myself. Um, I love that your value system is fluid. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. A couple of years ago, that mattered. Now, not so much. <laughs> right. Um, what do you find yourself um, telling to your clients right now, like sort of on repeat, like a message that you're, you're needing to share with people consistently in this particular time? Hmm. What am I saying to clients a lot lately? Um, I think a lot of it is trust, trusting themselves. Um, especially in light 
of everything that's been happening to us, you know, people feel lost. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And so I feel like a lot of clients lately have been coming in for confirmation. Like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this. And, da, da, da. and as soon as I tell them yes, and I point out the life stories that show them why, you know, especially in, in clients' charts, and I start pointing out the different years that really show what brought them to this point they're like oh oh that moment in my life meant something like yeah it meant something <laughs> like it didn't just happen in the ether right mm -hmm. so that's why you're doing what you're doing and so I think right now people are just looking for is this the time like yes this is the time mm. don't know if we're going to have any extra time so this is the time for you to do that thing that you've been putting off and mm -hmm. so I feel like a lot of times I'm just telling people I believe in you mm. and if I have to be the first person to believe in you fine but you will believe mm -hmm. in you too Mm. And so when you say that it's a message of trust, mm -hmm. are you saying like trust yourself, trust your intuition, trust your guidance or that gut instinct that you have right now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> trust all of those things. Trust the timing. Trust your impulses. Trust that you were supposed to come, come have this conversation. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be and that you're on your way. Mm. Wow. Um, Janelle, could you stop screen sharing now so sure. we can see your see you more um, fully? Perfect. Mm -hmm. um, it's brilliant. I love it. I love seeing how your chart comes together. How for for people that are trying to connect the dots of their life story, mm -hmm. how do you how do you do that and synthesize all these different points? I know this is a, like a really hard question to answer, mm -hmm. but if there was a few things that people could do as they're looking at their own chart and trying to synthesize what things mean, mm -hmm. what would you say to them? I would say start with a planet you like or are curious about. That's always a, a fun place. And then also look at, um, this is something that I learned from Anne Ortley, was like, look at the degrees of the planets for the age right? Because that will always tell you something and start there. Like it doesn't have to be immutable. Like you see how mutable I am. So I don't think everything has to go in a straight line or be in order. So it's like start where, where the passion is. What lights you up when you look at your chart? Start there and then go to the planet who doesn't light you up so much and, and then go there, you know, like really play around with your planets. Look at them, see who they're talking to, see what, what houses they're, they're in control of, right? Like I have Saturn Mercury, you know, tied to my seventh house of relationships and my, my, my house of career. So there's been some delays. There's been, you know, setbacks. You know, that's been a part of my story. I didn't start dating until I was like 19 or 20 years old. I was a late bloomer. But now that I know Saturn was involved, like, yeah, it makes sense, whatever. Like, <laughs> no judgment. So look at your chart and play around and, and see who's talking to who and why they're talking. And then look at your life and say, oh, that makes sense. That's what my chart wanted me to do. Hmm. What's, what's your favorite planet? I love the moon. I love the moon. She's so, she moves so fast, right? You know, for me who slid into life seven, seven, eight weeks early, <laughs> I think that's a lot of fun, <laughs> but I think she's, she moves so fast and she's so expressive. You know, I like how someone, you can be born the same day as someone, but as soon as that moon changes signs, it's a totally different story, right? So someone who was born later in the day than me, who was an Aries moon is totally different than who I am, mm. but I love that. And I love how the moon really talks about who we are at our soul. You know, so for all my Sag in my heart, I am this really sensitive Pisces moon, mm. you know, that wants the best for the world. You guys are messing it up. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are. We're messing it yes. up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what do you work with the moon phases and the cycles? Like, do you do you work with new moon energy and, mm -hmm. and the different phases? And mm -hmm. how do you do that? A little bit. I'm, I'm still gaining 
more information with the phases, but I do love it, especially in progress charts. I love seeing the timing, like when I've had clients who have just had a full moon um, progression in their chart, and now they're kind of waning, and you know they're on the downturn. They're they're going inward and reflecting. I had a client like that recently. I was like, no, no, your moon is about to become new in a couple of years. Like you are on this is a downward reflecting, you know, wrapping things up moment because she was wondering why it was so hard to get started on a business. You're not supposed to right now. Like your so, the energy is not on your side. Total, this is so fascinating. And so Janelle, for people who don't understand mm-hmm. what you're talking about with moons and progressions, what you're saying is that we have like a waxing and a waning cycle in our lives. Mm-hmm. So there will be times where the, the energy is building and mounting towards like that bright full moon moment. Mm-hmm. And then there's times where the energy is waning and getting, you know, it's more of an integration time. It's more of an inward time, correct? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So as soon as she learned that, she was like, oh, I don't feel so terrible now feeling like I'm failing. I was like, yeah, well, you're tired or you don't have that outward energy because that energy is just not present right now in your life. Right. So follow the other guidance, which is to wrap things up, tie it together, finish up the last project and then start dreaming about the new one for the new moon that's coming up. That that's that alone is such incredible insight in a in a culture that emphasizes doing Mm-hmm. to understand that there will be times in our lives where, where if we were to really be aligned naturally with the rhythms, it wouldn't be the primary focus. It would be more of an internal integrative time, reflective, and like you said, wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not just because we're going to be lazy for a couple of years. It's because we're, we're gearing up for the next chapter. Mm-hmm. So and sometimes I mean, laziness is a part of that too, right? Right, like- right. <laughs> Right. I think what happens is people fear that they're never going to have their motivation back. Well, at least I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I remember when I've been in these more inward phases, like, God, am I ever going to be motivated again? Mm-hmm. Am I ever going to be creative again? Mm-hmm. And so just knowing that, yes, it is, it's, there, there's, there's these cycles. There's these cycles. And, you know, that's very present in acupuncture as well, right? So the, the Daiji, which is the yin yang uh, symbol that everyone knows, right? Like, so that whole thing is talking about at the height of yang, when you look at, you know, the white portion of that symbol, and it's the biggest part where it's all white, right? And you have that black circle. So at the height of yang, at the height of success, there is this element that said, we're going to go back into inward space now, right? And when you, when you reach the height of yin, the deepest yin, the deepest, coldest part of winter, there's that little speck of, of summer or spring waiting to be born, right? So you see this reflected in our every circle that we have. It's like, you will always have a point of height and darkness. There's never, you know, there's never a point in time where you're not in transition or growing or dying. That's mm. just, that's the world, right? That's the world that we live in. So this idea of of infinite growth and infinite progression, I'm I'm really happy that we had this time out during the pandemic to really see that that doesn't exist in any universe that we exist in. There's no such thing as infinite growth. Everything comes to an end. Well, and infinite growth has, has a, um, but, but that, that always expanding has a dark side too. I mean, it has a, has a, um, like a ricochet effect. At some point, we will have to look at the infrastructure or the foundation that we've built that thing upon Mm -hmm. and revise and, and redo, you know, and, and that's what's happening on so many levels. I remember with Astrology Hub, I don't know if it was, it was like year four or something. I was like, whoa, we've just been expanding. 
mm-hmm. we've been Jupiter. We've been like expand, 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 grow, grow, grow. And I started to feel that like infrastructure. Oh gosh, I got to go mm-hmm. back and do some Saturnian, like pull it in, rein it in, mm-hmm. redo some of these things and make sure that we have a solid enough foundation for the next period of growth. Exactly. And that's one of the most beautiful things about astrology is it's showing us mm-hmm. that that is natural. Exactly. Yeah. And so I find that that's reflected everywhere in our life. So in the heavens, in earth and in us, right? So, you know, that to me gives me a lot of comfort that, you know, when things come to an end, it's because something new is also on the horizon. So you can mourn and also celebrate at the same time. You know, there's space for both. It doesn't have to always be either or. Mm. Such an important message for right now. Mm Mm-hmm. You can mourn and you can celebrate at the same time. Mm-hmm. So much of that needed. Janelle, thank you so thank much you. for this really intimate um, first experience with you here at Astrology sure. Hub, showing us your chart and walking us through your life story. Thank you so much. for. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. And so if people want to learn more about you or connect with you for a reading or something, how would they find you? Uh, you can find me at soabove.com or you can find me on Twitter at jsoabove, all one word. And you can listen to me and my good friend Mecca Woods on our podcast called Stars on Fire, where we talk about astrology, politics, entertainment. We kind of mash it all together and we laugh a lot because we're both Sagittarians. So if you guys have been in the funk, you need some giggles, come listen to us. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I just want to mention because Sunday class starts for Rick Levine's Astrology Foundation course. So if you're interested in joining us for that, you can go to astrologyhub.com slash foundations. And that will be a five week online journey to help you get a really solid Saturnian type foundation in the astrological language. Um, We'll be going through the signs, the planets, the aspects, and then he'll be introducing some of the basic elements of the astrological chart. So we would love to have you for that. And um, astrologyhub.com slash foundations. There you go. Thank you so much. You are awesome. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for sharing with us. Thanks to all of you for being here, for being a part of our community, and as always, for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on the next episode.